Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. And uh, it, it was one of those situations, again, where I, I really probably should have hit record like five minutes ago when Jordan and I first started talking. But we have a, <laughs> a repeat guest on, Jordan Caresses. Thank you so much for making time for all of us again, for hanging out with me again today. Yeah, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And, and for everybody listening in who didn't get to hear Jordan's first episode... Now, if you go back to episode 214, uh, you can not only kind of get to know a little bit more about Jordan, his businesses, but also learn specifically about the topic that we dug into at that point, creating a wedding lead machine through through funnels. We'll link to episode 214 in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, but that being said, Jordan, since we kind of we we get we did the intro stuff in the last episode, we get to just dive right into the main topic today. And this is a really fun one for me. I, occasionally, I was telling you before we get started, occasionally I see a, a topic pop up online. I'm like, ooh, let's, let's get into that. And, um, and you happened to post something on Facebook the other day that really caught my eye. And so if it's okay with you, I just want to read the post uh, yeah. out loud to everybody. And then we're going to really dig into it because this plays on an idea that we've, we've touched on uh, on the podcast before. Uh, but I think it's a really important one to at least discuss and, and kind of bring to light. So here's the post for everybody listening in. And, and, and it starts with, I think what's going to probably just be our title for this episode, in all caps, your identity is a myth. Though through the years I've learned to control and hide it, I've had Tourette syndrome my whole life, but this never stopped me from being confident or being seen. Articulating is a challenge, but this doesn't stop me from getting on the phone to make a sale or explain complicated concepts. I'm an introvert, but this doesn't stop me from pushing myself to be extroverted when the job calls for it. My grammar sucks, but this never stopped me from creating powerful copywriting. Sometimes I question my abilities, but this never stopped me from taking positive action anyways. I have ADHD, but this doesn't stop me from disciplining my focus from hours on end when it's needed most. I was horrible at business, but this never stopped me from being an incredible learner. I used to be mocked as the quote, poor artist, yet now I have built a business in the deep six figures and have brought other so-called quote, poor artists with me. I failed an embarrassingly, um, an embarrassing amount of times, but this doesn't mean I ever gave up. I'm sharing this because these are all things society says I should identify with my limits, but I say F your identity, who you think you are is a myth. You've let the world choose who you are. I choose who I want to be. Now, I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, Jordan. This, I mean, this resonates with me on multiple levels. The, the very first thing that comes to mind as I'm reading, which, by the way, you talk about copywriting, but this is wonderfully written. Uh, so major props to you for that. Uh, but I, I actually have a tattoo on my right arm, the inside of my right arm. It's the Japanese tattoo for choice. The word is sentaku. Mm. It's pronounced sentaku. Um, I, I think the significance of choice 
uh, is something that is, I don't know, it's been kind of sidestepped and skirted in our culture. And, and I want to kind of ask you a little bit more about that here in just a second. But you, this all came from just a significant amount of passion, obviously. And I'm curious what motivated it in the first place. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, and you know, um, I, I used to really be in this place where, you know, when, when an obstacle would come my way, I, I'd, I'd run away from it. Hmm. And, you know, through, through, you know, just learning a lot through, through life, learning from, from mentors, you know, self-development has been huge for me. And I think what motivated me, I was, I was kind of finding myself just in reflecting on that, uh, not just in myself, because I, I coach, you know, hundreds of photographers and, you know, sometimes what I often see is, you know, they have the talent, their work is amazing. They have the great personality, you know, and so there's no issues and they, and they know the strategies, but literally mindset and self-limiting beliefs is mm. the only thing that stops them from, from getting results. And yeah. so I was, I'm always in that mindset thinking about those things. And I, I think I was just at a time where um, sometimes I get in these modes where I think about, you know, I was thinking about what I've struggled with in the past. Uh, what I've I've personally had to overcome, uh, things that I could I could have made as excuses, yep. um, but I I've, I've, I just chose not to. So you mentioned again that word choice. There, you chose not to. You also mentioned the word beliefs. Uh, on on my on the inside of my left wrist or arm is the Japanese word kakushin, belief. And and That's awesome. <laughs> from my perspective, you know, as much as that that there's that cliche phrase that. It's like something like the love makes the world go around, right? My, and from my perspective, anyway, I think you know even love, and we can talk about what love is, and 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 ultimately whether or not it's a construct or otherwise. But at the at the very root of even this idea of love, is a a choice and a belief. Literally everything that we do in life, and and one form or another, is largely made up of these two principles, and yet. It seems, again, that it's more popular in culture these days to kind of set those things aside. And as you said, identify with this word or this label or this idea. Hmm. And, and in my mind, it feels like a cop-out a lot of times. And that might yes. seem a little bit harsh, but I know that it's easy to, to buy into a label and follow that label. And, and, and you know, it's a popular thing right now to, to kind of put a label out there and everybody gathers around you and props you up and comments and says how wonderful and strong you are and powerful you mm-hmm. are. And, and yet... There's there's something a bit disingenuous in that because the reality is you could be more than that, and yet you're getting the kudos for just being where you're at currently. And I think I want to encourage, ultimately, I want to encourage everybody, uh, because I've had personal experience in this, to push beyond where you're comfortable because on the other side of that uncomfort, that temporary discomfort, uh, is way more. And it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, I asked you about motivation. I personally find, and you talked about that, the limiting beliefs and how that keeps somebody from continuing to improve. I, I think at least a big part of why I have a drive to continue to get better as an individual, as a, as a business person, as somebody in relationships and, and so forth, uh, it, it stems back to my relationship with my dad. My dad pushed me really hard. Um, and, and he held an extremely high standard. Where do you think the psychology comes from for you? What motivates you to always continue to push forward? Yeah, this is a, a kind of an interesting I mean, thing for me. And this is uh, what I've often told a lot of my, my students as well. And so what motivated me at first was my pain. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I was, I was in a very rough situation in, in my photography business. You know, uh, I, I was I was living, you know, I was living in a fr- friend's basement and I just had so much pain with my current situation. Mm, yeah. Where I was like, 
like, I can't keep making these excuses. Like I have to figure it out. I have to adapt. I have to figure out what my strengths are. And so what, what happened was my, my pain was my motivation. Mm. Once my motivation was there, I was able to turn that consistency, that motivation into discipline. And then I was able to eventually turn that discipline into who I was, a totally different person. Hmm. And that's where I kind of feel my evolution was. Well, you explained that brilliantly, first of all. But this is, again, fascinating to me because you talk about pain and, and it reminds me of something that I think I've mentioned here on the podcast before. I mean, I, I bring up Tony Robbins from time to time just because I found so much help and inspiration in the, the principles that he teaches. In fact, the tattoos that I mentioned, I, they stem from a book of his that I read. But there That's is awesome. there is a you know, this concept of pain and pleasure, these two principles of pain and pleasure and what they do to motivate us. And, and at least what Tony says anyway is that pain is actually a deeper motivator, or at least it can be, than pleasure. But the problem many times, and I'm certainly guilty of this and, and still have to fight it, um, the, many times pain debilitates in some way, like we let it stop us. And if we don't do that, we take one step forward, we, we say, hey, you know, this is, as, as we were alluding to earlier, this is who I am. And you put it out there for the public and you get this kind of band-aid for the pain, which is, you know, the, the virtual pats on the back or the hugs or the smiley faces or, you know, you got exactly. this. Um, and that feels good temporarily. But the reality is that we're not actually dealing with the root cause of the pain. And so we're likely to come back to that pain. The, the ideal scenario is when, and, and I mean, it's, it's a little tough in the moment, but when that pain is great enough that it actually pushes us over the edge to making a change, a deep a kind of base level change that enables us to move beyond this behavior or these behavioral tendencies that have, have led to that pain, that's where we can really win. And you've been a really interesting example of that. So let me, let me jump to my next question about this. I mean, you mentioned a couple of big so-called identities that are, uh, you know, you see pop up in, in kind of popular conversation these days quite a bit, introversion and ADHD. And you say that culture expects you to identify with those concepts. Why do you think that culture expects you to identify with those concepts? How do people feel like they benefit from kind of claiming those behavioral tendencies as identities? Yeah. And I, I think and I'll kind of put this almost even a little bit in a entrepreneurial perspective as okay. well, Okay, especially, you know, especially being an introvert and being an entrepreneur, it, it definitely brings its its challenges, you know, with, sure. with things like, like, like sales and, and, and marketing where you have to be out there. You can't be as reserved. You know what I mean? And it's so easy to just make that, that weakness as an excuse on not to do it. And I know that because I did it. I did it for a long, long time. And hmm. It's, it's kind of like this. Maybe if we're using different examples besides maybe introversion and, and ADHD, you know, people maybe say things like, you know, I, I'm not athletic or it's not in my gen genetics, so you know, I'll never be fit. Or I'm not a morning person, so I'll, I'll never have the time. Hmm. And, you know, for me, and congrats, by the way, on your fitness journey. I was checking that out. Amazing work. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I'm really impressed. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I was really introverted and, and, and shy. It doesn't always come across that because I can, I can push myself to be outgoing. Sure. But, you know, I, I ran away from, from sales for a long time. But when I was able to overcome that, change those self-limiting beliefs, I was able to become, you know, an expert at sales. When it came to ADHD, you know, when I was barely able to focus for maybe 30 minutes before I was, you know, playing video games and, and during other things, 
you know, I was able to overcome those things. What people would say, you know, I'm not going to do this because I have this. But, you know, now it's so I, I, it's so easy for me now to focus, you know, for maybe 10 hours or more and work a day. And it's kind of interesting because what people saw me as even just five years ago, it's, I, I'm a totally different person. Yeah. And I was inspired by that because I would see people who were able to do that, too. And I was like, you know what, if, if they can do that, then I can do that. Okay, so I want to I want to get into each of those the introversion ADHD excuse me ADHD in a little bit more detail here in just a second and and talk a little a little bit more about how you dealt with each. But to my to my question a second ago when we and I know that we that maybe in some ways this is rhetorical because I've alluded to it already. But when we talk about people who kind of claim those those tendencies as identities, they 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 take mm-hmm. this word or this label. And and by the way, to be clear for everybody listening, I don't want to minimize any actual medical issues um, that may be related to these so-called identities. And we've, we've mentioned, you know, introversion and ADHD. There's just a couple of labels and, and points of conversation that are quite popular these days. There are others as well. I don't want to minimize any actual significant medical issues, but that aside, I, I think in many cases, uh, and, and these two labels don't represent all the, the, the massive number of labels out there, uh, that we see kind of subscribe to the tendency for people to say, Hey, this is who I am. What is it? A, what is the appeal? Do you feel like to taking that label, like putting that cloak on, and saying this is who I am? Does it does it create a certain level of comfort? Does it make it okay for them to be that way, and that's they can just stop there and and not push beyond the discomfort? What what is it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I I I feel it really just brings us some some sort of comfort, and I think you know there is a level of that that we need to do, you know. Like for, for, for example, um, this is, uh, I, I, I've always struggled with like Tourette syndrome sure. and I used to be really insecure about that growing up. It's, I've been able to handle it better grow, getting older and everything. But as when I, when I was able to say and really embrace at first, like, this is something I have, you know, I, and I'm going to accept it and love me for who I, who I am. I was even quicker able to figure out how I can work around that. Hmm. And I think there's a level of, of a level of, of identifying it with like, all right, I, I am introverted, but it's saying that, you know what, even though I'm introverted, you know, I, I can, it's not going to be what limits me from achieving what I want to achieve. If that kind of makes sense. Well, it does. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said this, this kind of thing before, but introversion, for example, is a behavioral tendency. And I want to actually get your take on more about what it yeah. is here in a second, but it's a behavioral tendency, right? This is not a, a disease, for example, that, that I have that, you know, I, that, that has somehow led to a place where I, I had to have both my legs amputated. And now, you know, the, the limitations are physical and, and, and quite significant. This is something that is ultimately in my head. And if we're willing, as you pointed out, to take a step back, break it down, analyze it, figure out what's at the root of it, what it enables us to do then is to, first of all, understand it as a cycle, as a, a psychology that has roots. And then we can make changes to address the root causes of that particular behavioral tendency or that particular fear. And, and so I, I want to get into introversion. First of all, how do you personally define introversion? Because whereas, you know, I, I guess the general public may have a general idea or concept of what that is. I'm curious how you might break it down. Yeah. And so I would break it down as, as this. So I, I, I agree more with the definition that you often see in a lot of personality sites versus okay. what's on the dictionary. And so, you know, introversion is when you find strength in being reserved 
versus the power of engagement, or you gain that energy when, when being alone and reserved versus when engaging with people. Hmm. Okay. So uh, people talk about this idea of getting energy from others. I, I think that in and of itself, I mean, we, we could just take that piece of it and kind of look at the psychology behind that. Like why does somebody enjoy being around someone else? They, they feel particularly happy as a result of being around somebody else, or they feel particularly happy as a result of being on a stage and being able to share with a group of people, or they, they feel particularly happy, you know, getting on a podcast and sharing with hundreds, thousands of people, whatever it might be, they they're able to get energy from it, but there's reasoning for that. And it's going to vary from person to person. Where do you think that so-called energy comes from? Or where is the energy suck? Where does that come from? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's an interesting thing thing as well. Because like, for, for me, e- even when it comes to doing like these type of podcasts, like at first, I almost like freak out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, like, because, because, uh, you know, I, I prefer if I could just write everything yeah. that I want to explain. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that would be amazing. Yep. You know, and so like something like this, or even when I meet with my students and I have to coach my students, or I do a kind of similar podcast for my students to learn from each other. And I ask them questions Hmm. like I feel exhausted. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Afterwards, like I, 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 I dread it, but it's, it's something that I know I need to do because it's for the greater good kind of thing. And there's other people, you know, like I'll see a lot of my students even where they're, they're so extroverted, you know, they're on zoom calls with each other, you know, the whole entire day, just talking, help each other out. And, you know, they, they feel energized after that. They can keep on going. And, you know, where, where for me, we're 90% of the time, I I prefer to be kind of alone and, and maybe just kind of, um, kind of reserved and on the back end Hmm. and maybe one 10, 10% of the time I want to go out where maybe it's just with my few close friends kind of thing. And, um, the psychology of it is interesting. Uh, and, and so I guess, you know, if you're in, if you're not really sure if you're, you know, more introverted or extroverted, pay attention, I guess, to where you feel like you gain the most energy for the majority of, of your time kind mm. of thing. I, well, and then, and then I would take that a step further and just encourage those who are listening in to figure out what's at the root of that. And here are just a very couple of simple examples. I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast quite a bit uh, for various yeah. reasons, um, but, and he has quite a number of fascinating kind of really a wide ranging set of guests on there. And the format's interesting because it's long form. I've never been a great small talker. So I, I get a lot from learning how to listening to how, um, you know, the, the, the kind of quote unquote guys guy just sits and has conversations yeah, with his friends. That's difficult. Like it's crazy how they go on for like three hours. It's, <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. But, but I, man, I, I find it fascinating. And ultimately I, I'm hoping that I'm getting better as a conversationalist because of it. Nonetheless, one of the things that, that comes up on that or has come up on that podcast, cause he's a comedian and he'll have his comedian yeah. friends on from time to time. Um, they talk about how, the the really good comedians or the tendencies innate to some of these really good comedians comes from actually in some ways comes from a dark place these mm-hmm. comedians have had certain experiences and so what if you look for example at somebody who likes to be on stage likes to get the laughs likes to get the intention you can see somebody in in one way or another whether it's conscious or subconscious striving for acceptance and even striving for significance via being funny. They, they, they know that they have this way of being able to get somebody else's acceptance or ultimately their approval. 
And, yeah. and as a result, gain significance from that experience and from that feeling. And so, you know, somebody might say, oh, that's, you know, that comedian up there on stage is an extrovert. And that's sure it may fit the label. But this is what I'm talking about when, I, when I'm talking about looking at the psychology. Let's take it, you know, a step or two or three or five steps deeper. Let's go deeper and actually see what's behind that. And understanding the psychology that's behind that behavioral tendency, which we like to just oversimplify and give a single word label, is actually the answers behind the behavioral tendencies, which then enables that person, if they want to, to make change or not, um, or potentially help others as a result of understanding psychology. I think it's interesting. For me, I would have labeled myself in, in years past a so-called introvert. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of the things that that I realized was that the root of my so-called introversion, because I would go to these photography conferences and you, know, you go into this room that's packed with 100 photographers, 200 photographers in tight quarters, and there's music playing and people are having drinks and they're laughing. I, I didn't feel like I was a good small talker. And, and I, I would just, after like 30 minutes or maybe even less, um, I would need to walk out of the room because I, quote, felt exhausted from the experience. Well, yeah. this happened enough and it got to a place where I finally took a step back and looked at what was tiring about that experience for me. Again, I could have said, I'm an introvert, so being in a public, you know, a very uh, kind of a party scenario in a public situation, a bunch of people that I don't necessarily know, that's exhausting because I'm an introvert. If, if I had stopped there, I would continue to live with that label and likely not be in the place that I am today on multiple levels. I took a step back. I looked at what was causing that exhaustion. What was at the root of the psychology or the behavior that was leading to this so-called psychological exhaustion? What I realized, and th this is for me, this is personal. I know that, that the psychology, the motivation is going to be different for different people. For me personally, what I realized was that I was trying to put on a show. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't, trying to, quote, be cool in this group of people and to maintain some type of persona that wasn't naturally what I would be, you know, around my, my family or around my friends um, or outside of the so-called spotlight. And so I was trying to be something that I wasn't, which is naturally exhausting. And so yes. <laughs> realizing that and then choosing to, quote, be who I was in the, in the sense that I know that I'm good with one-on-one -on -one conversation I could sit down, I could, I could grab a drink, I could have a conversation despite whatever noise is going on around me and just focus on this person in front of me and get to know them and ask them about what's going on, you know, beyond the surface level stuff uh, that you would normally hear asked in small talk at parties. And, and I was super, super comfortable and it wasn't exhausting. Um, to, mm. uh, certainly not nearly as much as being in this scenario where I was trying to put on a front. And so that, that, again, is another example, and it's just one example, and I know that everybody's psychology is going to be different in one form or another, but this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about digging into the psychology behind how we feel, understanding it, that enables us to make change if we need to for the sake of the better. Uh, and, and I think it's just a fascinating thing. I'm not a psychologist, but I find it super fascinating. No, it definitely is, and I 100% agree with that because um, oftentimes I, you know, really paying, it's all about self-awareness at the end of the day as well. Sure. It's like, when you really pay attention to that psychology of it on, on where you, everyone's in a different spectrum as far as their introversion and, and extroversion as well. And even within that spectrum, we also have different strengths and weaknesses within that. And especially when I got into coaching or the times when I did have to speak in front of, you know, just more than one person, sure. you know, it was really digging deep into like, what is the way that actually works for me kind of thing. And mm. so 
And, and when I was able to figure out those little strengths and weaknesses, you know, I was able to adapt that with my coaching, adapt that with my business, adapt that when I was in public static, public settings that would usually be un- uncomfortable for me, but rework it in a way that worked with my strengths. And what was the, was there a turning point? And I know you talked earlier about the fact that you were in pain because of, and actually, I don't think we got into the details of why you were, you felt this significant pain, but ultimately you needed to make a change for the sake of, um, I guess, surviving in your photography business. But was there a certain turning point psychologically that, that like the, this, I don't know, the light came on and you were like, oh, that, like, I realized if I do this differently, I, I can step beyond this label. Yeah. Um, I would say it's hard to pick pinpoint, um, a certain t- a certain actual certain point. I feel like it was pretty gradual. Hmm. And I felt like what happened, you know, I was I was reading a lot of like a lot of mindset books, reaching out to to a lot of mentors, taught me a lot of things about a lot a lot about like meditation, these affirmations what I was doing. And there was a time where I I would every day before I'd work, I would I would meditate and I'd I'd literally do these affirmations. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and and I I to reverse engineer what I thought I was. Okay. You know, like I, I tell myself that I am extroverted. I would tell myself that I do deserve to run an amazing business, uh, that I am a leader. Um, all these things where I felt this like imposter syndrome at first, you hmm. know, like, ah, I, I can never be that. But I reverse engineered it every single day, meditating on those certain things. And I felt like it was a very gradual process where who I was, was, was actually literally changing. Uh, my my confidence, my beliefs, my my uh, my skills, everything. One uh, saying that I that really hit home for me is when I heard someone say, you know, if if you want to build a a, a really uh, successful business, mm-hmm. you have to become that person who can build it first. Ah, okay. And then I was looking at myself, and I was like, I am not that person. I'm addicted to video games. Like I can't sit down and focus for even an hour before I just do a bunch of stuff that doesn't even matter. Like I am not that person. Hmm. So before even strategies can work, I need to work on me. Interesting. You mentioned that there were a number of books that you were reading. Do you recommend one or two in particular that that would be relevant to this point of conversation? Oh oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Have you heard of Dr. Joe Dispenseza? I, I believe so. Yes, but I can't think of his book. Yeah, so the book that was a huge game changer for me for for mindset and learning how to kind of rework who you know a lot of these bad habits and who I thought I was was the book. Um, I believe it's called "Break the Habit of Being Yourself." Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's an amazing book. <laughs> Break. I'm actually so, looking it up on Amazon right now as we speak. Break yeah, the habit of being yourself. Okay, cool. I believe that's the name. Um, but Dr. Joe Dispenseza, even if you look up him, uh, you should be able to find some titles. I believe all his books kind of go in that area. But he teaches, you know, a really cool meditation method to really rework those, those bad habits so that we can become more of the person that we really want to be to achieve what we want to achieve. You know what? That's really funny. I actually own the book and I just haven't read it yet. I was looking here on my Kindle to see if I've got it, but yeah, sure enough. And I just haven't read it yet. Okay. This is going to be, that sounds like a fascinating read. And I mean, I know why I would have bought it in the first place, but that's good. We'll, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. Make sure you check that out. We'll, we'll link to it on Amazon. Uh, just a little side note here. I haven't mentioned it maybe in a little bit, but 
Haley, who produces our show, for everybody listening in, you can actually go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com. And uh, there is a, a resource that Haley's put together. We've done, I've recorded close to 450 episodes or so now, and we've put together a, a, a compilation, if you will. I should say Haley has put together a compilation of the most popular books that have been brought up in the show. So you can go check that out as well. Uh, we'll also link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Let's talk about ADHD. Uh, because this is another thing that I know that a lot of people struggle with, and yeah. you've alluded to it a number of times already, but has this always been a tendency for you? Was it something that was kind of a late onset as you became an adult? What was the experience? Yeah, it always it always has been, and it, and it still is. You know, I, I, f- I feel like, you know, just being totally authentic, I feel like I was able to learn how to conquer it for my work. Okay. But if you look at my personal life, <laughs> my wife would laugh. <laughs> like, I, I, it's still a struggle. It's, it's humorous looking at, uh, looking at me and the things I do sometimes. And even in school, you know, um, it was, it was always a struggle. But when it came to, when it came to work, you know, that, it, it, that was probably my biggest motivation. So I really focused a lot of time on figuring out, you know, how to step beyond that, that label and everything as well. And what, like, what are a couple of things that, that you did that, that enables you to do that? Cause I know this is, this is an overwhelming thing for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So this one's kind of interesting. So first off, you know, meditation was helpful to help train my focus. Okay. Yeah. I, I was able to, I, I really believe that I, I, even though I have ADHD, I can still train myself to be better. And this is kind of a funny thing here. And so it, before you, before you continue, if you oh, don't yeah. mind, can I ask you what, like what type of meditation you were doing? What did that look like? If, if yeah. You so uh, I, I, I've kind of combined two different methods that I've learned. Okay. So I'm not sure if you've heard of Wim Hof. For before. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. I, so Fascinating. I, I, I love his method. I always feel great after doing it. Okay. I did combine his breathing methods. And then I, and then after I've done that, I combined Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, methods. Okay. And his is very much a lot of getting into your subconscious to change bad habits. And, and for anybody who's not curious or who doesn't know who Wim Hof is, we'll have to, um, maybe Haley can link to, I'm trying to think he's probably been on the Tim Ferriss podcast. I think he's been on Rogan as well. Maybe we can link to one or yeah. both of those episodes in the show notes for anybody who wants a little bit of an introduction. Really fascinating stuff. This guy's um, been able to figure out how to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system. And I mean, he, he climbed <laughs> of, of, yeah, and the million different things that he's done. Um, it, one, one example I think is climbing Everest in shorts, uh, literally. Um, I mean, he's been able to, you talk about stepping beyond our comfort zone, stepping outside our, our little tiny box that we live in. This is a guy that's done it. He's figured out a, a way to, to do it. It's pretty compelling, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link to at least one or two of those episodes in the show notes for anybody who's curious, but I'm sorry, Jordan, I interrupted you again. Please continue. Yeah, no problem. It, it's definitely worth checking out. And, and I guess, you know, besides those meditation methods, there, there was one thing that I, I knew about, uh, some of those, you know, la- labels that I had. So with, with ADHD also comes what we often refer to as hyper-focus. Hmm, okay. So we're often, you know, in, we're having trouble focusing on one thing to we're super focused on one thing. And I can, you can spend t- time focusing on that for hours. Huh, okay. uh, with with Tourette syndrome also can sometimes come some OCD tendencies. <laughs> and so I was very aware of that and I decided to use it as for strengths in my business. Wow. Uh, where, and that's 
what when I was able to break some some habits and use you know a little bit of that hyper focus and 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 some of those OCD tendencies, I was able to really focus down on the work that I needed to really build that compound effect I wanted to see in my business. Learn the strategies I needed to learn, uh, all that kind of stuff. One of the things that that I've done during the, you know the last few months in COVID, we've had more time on our hands. Um, I, I've been learning how to day trade in the marketplace, and it, yeah. it's a it, it's a really interesting skill set. It's very challenging, but I find it very fascinating. Um, and and one of the things that I've experienced is the significance of rhythm, um, yeah. and specifically rhythm within like if I, if I choose to trade a particular set of ex- exchange traded funds, ETFs, or maybe a yeah. certain stock, um, it one might find that that particular ETF or that stock moves in a particular way, even within the span of 60 seconds. So in the span of a minute, like you feel this thing, it it moves a certain way in the first 20 seconds or 30 seconds, and then there's a shift. And then within the last 15 to 20 seconds, for example, it might move in a different way. So anyway, that reminds me of, of, or in my mind anyway, that's kind of how I related to this concept that you were talking about where you know that you have the ability to focus. But what I'm wondering to try to tie this all together is, is there a rhythm in your day or within an hour or within 10 minutes, maybe that like where you are able to hyper focus, as you said, how have you been able to land on that and leverage that? 100%. And so this is something that's really important here. So a lot of people sometimes say, do the hardest things first. But what I've learned is that's not necessarily the best for everyone. Okay, uh, Everyone's different and we'll find that we have certain energies for different tasks throughout the day. Hmm. And, and so I, was, I started to pay attention to those energies. What, what part of the day can I focus on this type of task you know, for hours on end? Okay. What, type of, you know, uh, what type of day can I focus on like the coaching? Uh, in, instead, and that way, so I can give you know my students the best. And when I was able to really find a rhythm throughout my day for certain tasks that worked with my hyperfocus. And how did I mean? Was that did it just take some time and taking some notes on a daily basis? Okay, I feel really good doing this here, but not as much here. Or what did that look like? Yeah, so it really just took a lot, a lot of time. So it's like I, I always plan, uh, plan out every hour of my day before I get started, and I, I'd go through the day, and I realize, I realize, like you know, when I did this over at uh, this time of the day, like it was really difficult. I kept getting distracted and everything, and so I always can kind of rework those things, kind of work best with where my energies are. So a lot of evaluating that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, something that we should all do, not just on an annual basis, you know, and prep for the new years, but maybe on a monthly or quarterly basis or, or otherwise constantly reevaluating. Now, I, I think the, the flip side of that conversation is we can spend too much time looking in and not just simply getting things done. And there's a funny balance and it's going to look different for, for different people. But um, I think it's really important, as you said earlier, to, to develop a certain amount of self-awareness and include uh, or, or I guess combine that with feedback from those who are close to us or w- willing to give us objective feedback. Cause it's, I know for me personally, anyway, it's very easy for me to kind of get blinders on and think that I have yeah. some level of self-awareness and I'm, and then, and I get feedback from somebody, whether it's an employee or a you know, personal friend or family or whatever. I'm like, Oh shoot, like this is how I'm coming across or this is how that sounded or, you know, whatever. So, um, outside feedback is important too. But I, I mean, this conversation is just super fascinating to me. And, and I think ultimately compelling to me, because again, I personally experienced the power of making a choice. First of all, believing that I have the ability to then make a choice to move beyond my 
tendencies for the better, for the better in business, for the better in my personal life and relationships or otherwise. And I'm continuing to try to do that very thing. You know, a lot of people talk about, quote, finding ourselves. So I want to go find myself. And I, I honestly, it, it's I mean, just logically, I think it's a misnomer. Like we have the yes. ability to choose who we want to be. Um, and that, you know, who we quote, quote, want to be is, I mean, the possibilities are almost endless. It's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Naturally, I'm not going to, at this stage in my life, certainly going to go play professional basketball, right? There's a certain <laughs> amount of reason that has to play into the conversation. I'm not going to go play in the NBA, but they're outside of the, the obvious things like that. We have the ability to to step beyond our psychological tendencies. If we're willing to take a step back, understand them a little bit better, it's going to enable us to be better, really, however we would like to be. And so to that point, and to kind of finish our conversation, Jordan, I'm curious, what are a few really big principles that you've found that maybe our listeners could keep in mind for the sake of overcoming some of those limiting behavioral tendencies, those limiting beliefs like you talked about for the sake of being better, both in their personal and professional lives? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so when I was thinking about this, it was tough for us. I was like three principles, like what, what could those be? And I was trying to kind of really dig deep into, you know, the order of things that I felt like I, I had to do. So I'll, I'll break it up into these three words and I'll explain each of those, those words, okay, cool. words as well. So uh, the three words are adapt, break and change. So, Ooh. so first with adapt. Okay. So, you know, though we all have, have weaknesses, you can, if, if you really study yourself, you can still cater to your strengths to reach those goals. The second I would say is, is break. So break those bad habits and, and self-limiting beliefs. And even with those two, those two combined, I think you can, you can overcome a lot of behavioral tendencies uh, and things that are, are getting in your way of achieving what you want to achieve. So okay. now let's say, you know, you're, you're adapting, you're using your strengths. You know, you've used discipline to break a lot of bad habits and get rid of a lot of those self-limiting beliefs that hold you back. The third is which I, which I believe kind of, kind of automatically happens once you've been doing this for a long time and that's is change. Hmm. So you are not who you think you are. Through discipline, you can change to be whoever you want to be. So adapt, break, and change. And this is something that I feel so strongly about because um, it's something that I felt like that happened to me. You know, five years ago, I was, I was a totally different person night and day on, on who, who I was. And I, and, and I was able to turn myself into the, into the person that I knew I wanted to be to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And that, and that's really it, right? Like it, it is, it's a brilliant thing that we in 2020 have the technology and the information um, to conscientiously choose to be the person that we want to be in life. And and it doesn't have to be some vague nebulous idea that we're in, you know, in this constant search for, for the rest of our life, we can choose who and what we want to be and, and then work toward that. I mean, for me, it starts as, as a, Kind of at a very root level, uh, and, and I mentioned Tony Robbins in his book earlier. He actually yeah. has a kind of a summary of that book, if you will. It's like a hundred-page PDF. It's a free download on his site. We'll link to it in the show notes for everybody. Um, called "Reawaken the Giant Within," uh, but he talks about the significance of values. And so, for me, rather than saying, 
you know, this is the like trying to figure out who I want to be. I've decided that at the very root level, there are certain values that I want to live by consistently. Mm. And I literally have these on my phone, healthy, growing or, or constantly growing simple as in focusing on the things that matter, kind, connected community, uh, proactive, forward moving, consistent, um, in my emotional state and, and then practicing my disciplines and then thankful. And these are the things that I want at the very root level to, to live consistently. And that will largely drive, quote, who I am. Um, and then I can set certain goals for myself, you know, personally, professionally or otherwise, that will then take that many steps further. But I love that you highlight these concepts of, you know, first of all, adapting, where we make adjustments, we leverage the strengths that we have and, and kind of fit them into the scenario that we're in. Uh, and and focus on what we're good at, making the best of the scenario that that situation. I think it's a really fascinating concept. Breaking the bad habits, we do have the ability to do that. And again, I would highly recommend this book that I just mentioned, "Reawaken the Giant Within." Hundred page read, uh, super easy. It's free. Download it, read it for everybody listening in. I think you'll find it really helpful when it comes to understanding the psychology behind our behaviors that that ultimately lead to pain and how we can step beyond those and and lead a life of happiness. Uh, and and that really that that kind of sums up the idea of change, as you pointed out, Jordan. That we have the ability to do that if we're just willing to do the homework. And and I'm just I'm so glad that you posted on Facebook uh, <laughs> recently this this very thing. And and I'm so glad that we can bring some light to it, highlight it, and then I mean ultimately, you know, that it's it's one thing for us to as non psychologists talk about psychology and and the difference that it made it's made in our lives. But you you have tangible results from this, and and you've been able to then take what you've learned and ultimately help other photographers too. So I, I really want to make sure that, that we give you an opportunity to just briefly share too about not only you mentioned the, the photography business and for everybody listening in, if you go to jcorephotography.com, J-C-O-R-R photography.com and on Instagram, jcorephotography, we'll link to those in the show notes as well. You can see Jordan's work, but um, you also have, and we'll link to this, a, you do a master class and, and then coaching with photographers, helping them kind of take their business from where it is now to, I mean, pretty incredible places based on the information yes. here. Can you just share a little bit about that? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I love to as well. And so, um, so I, I have a, a course called the wedding lead machine accelerator. And before I kind of explain like what it is, I love to shout out a, a couple of my students, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Uh, so kind of, kind of through this, you know, we have my student Haniel, uh, he was literally just like a side hustle from uh, in 12 months, even during quarantine, we got him to $200,000 in sales wow. uh, deep in the six years. Uh, we have Tom. Uh, when he joined, he was literally only making maybe 1000 a month. Uh, we got him to hit six figures in 10 months, uh, 175000 in, in 60 weeks. That's wild. Uh, Christora. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. Uh, Christora, uh, in 60 days, we got her to $22,000 a month. She's very close to six figures. And Aiden, um, during the hot, the hottest part of quarantine, uh, he had a ten thousand dollar month. Was able to go from part time to full time within a within a few weeks. That's huge. And yeah, it's it's been amazing and a, and a blessing to see. And and basically, this is kind of what my my mission has been. And so, you know, I know there's a lot of online education in there um, that that isn't really up to par. I've I've been burned so many times myself. And my vision is to build the most result-based program for wedding photographers for their businesses out there uh, by helping them master battle-tested online marketing strategies. Wow. And, and I mean, marketing, when we think about online marketing strategies, a lot of people might think about 
Uh, well, let's just say companies like my, like mine, photographers edit, you know, a lot of the, the so-called marketing that we do is going to be web-based Facebook ads, Instagram yeah. ads, YouTube, et cetera. Um, but and, and many photographers, their so-called marketing, at least what they're used to, I think in many cases, certainly is in person, uh, you know, maybe posting regularly to Instagram or Pinterest, but the idea of an online marketing strategy isn't maybe necessarily something that, that many are considering. Um, and yet uh, obviously there are incredible opportunities in that realm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And especially what well, was pretty crazy during this time, you know, we, we had students, you know, who lost a lot of weddings. Uh, sometimes they, they lost their opportunity of how they used to market. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Their venues were closed. These fairs were closed. And we had a lot of students be able to make up what they lost by mastering a lot of these online strategies and so it's, it's definitely, especially during this time, it's, it's definitely a, a really important skill to know. Well, well, we'll link to, you do a free masterclass to kind of get everybody started. Um, we'll link to that uh, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com to go along with the show and uh, make sure that everybody has the opportunity to sign up if they'd like. But once again, I, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, being willing to, to jump on. We kind of made it happen. I mean, I should say you made it happen really quickly too. I reached out. I was like, hey, can you talk about this? And, and you jumped right in and I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, thanks for no coming problem. back for a repeat episode. Not a lot of our guests have, have had the opportunity to do that. Really appreciate you coming back on. And for everybody listening in, make sure you check out all the resources that we that we mentioned today, the talking points as well. If you go to bocapodcast.com, you can see the show notes there or just in your podcast app, if your podcast app, um, it's weird. I know in, in times past that some podcast apps kind of screw up the formatting of the show notes, the links and so forth, but maybe you can do that in your podcast app. Either way, Haley puts together really great show notes at the very least. Check them out. Bocapodcast.com. Thanks once more, Jordan, for hanging out with all of us today. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Nathan. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much photographers for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.